This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. And we promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Jimmy Morrow, Director of Product Marketing at Moloco. Jimmy, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Oh, thank you for coming. Okay, um, let's, t- let's start with the obvious. Nothing is perfect. By the time you get to your 40s, hopefully sooner, you realize that as much as you try your best, uh, there's always a margin for an error. But that is not to say that you shouldn't try. Speaking of something you should try harder, mobile ads. Well, to me, it feels like nobody's even trying to make them good. How so? What are we doing about it? This is exactly what we're going to be tackling with Jimmy and this podcast. But first, uh, Jimmy, let's uh, kick off with talking about you and your background. Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, I lead product marketing at Maloco, um, but I've spent my whole career basically in ad tech. Uh, I started my career at Google. Uh, it's like to, where I like to say I grew up professionally um, in various roles across sales, product marketing, um, and something called a global product lead, leading a bunch of go-to-market efforts. Um, then I joined a smaller company called TikTok uh, back in mm-hmm. early 2020 um, when you know, they basically didn't have a performance business when I when I started. And so my team led all uh, product strategy, operations, and product marketing for performance measurement. Um, this is across like, you know, both app and web. Um, you know, on the app side, these are things like building out our MMP integrations, creating first-party incrementality solutions. Um, and if there's any TikTok advertisers out there, beginning the transition to, to self-attribution. Um, and so, yeah, I wasn't actually looking to leave TikTok, uh, but I saw some old Google leaders and mentors starting joining this company called Maloco, and I, I didn't know much about it. And, you know, they ended up reaching out and started learning more and saw how, you know, fast the company was growing and, you know, the the great leadership Maloco had and, and made the move back in December and haven't looked back since. So, yeah, small company, TikTok, three years ago. Everything um, moves so fast and uh, in digital space, it's understatement. Um, yeah, I would say in 2020, you can still you could still consider TikTok to be a relatively small company, not anymore. And um, so I guess you have your chance to work in Maloco with some people who used to work in Google before, or you just heard about them? Uh, yeah, so I used to work uh, with them at Google a bit, but they're you know much more senior than me at the time. But I I worked worked with them. Got it. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, last year we have uh, Ben Jagger from your team, and he gave us a quick introduction of what Moloco is about. But uh, probably not everybody heard that episode. So could you please tell us about what Moloco today? Yeah, how I, how I think about Maloco is like, you know, at its core, it's a machine learning company. So our founders were distinguished engineers at Google, and they actually built some of the first machine learning ad serving algorithms for YouTube um, that ultimately made it profitable. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's a technology first company and uh, our underlying core differentiator is that like machine learning models. And then on top of that, we kind of have three products. So the, the first is our 
DSP for mobile app advertisers. It's our first product in our in our largest. And then we also have two more nascent products, including retail media, right? So like we power sponsored posts on, on folks' web sponsored ads on folks' websites, um, you know, based on that first party data. And then we also have a streaming ads business where we help power streaming ads um, for various providers. Got you. Okay. Uh, to the topic on the table. Um, according to one of the recent uh, estimates, uh, on average, um, we see like four to 10K ads in a single day. Probably it's a bit of a um, um, exaggeration. Like I'm not sure that you can actually capable of watching so many ads on a daily basis, but you get the point. We have so many ads being bombarded to, on our heads on a daily basis. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it's very easy to go online and see so many bad ads. They're jumping on you from every corner. It feels like from every corner. So why are we in this place? How come? Why it's happening? Yeah, it's it's definitely a big question. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to break it down. But I think an interesting story to introduce the topic was, you know, when I was leaving TikTok, I was saying my goodbyes like like normally and, and setting up one-on-ones with people. And, and I was chatting with the head of strategy. Um, and I was, you know, saying goodbyes. I worked with him pretty closely. And I told him I was going to Maloko. And he's like, oh, interesting. Uh, Maloko, we're just did like a competitive audit on them. You know, we, we hear a lot of good things. Do you know if Maloko is doing some of this uh, quote unquote sketchy behavior that other we've seen other platforms do? And at the time, you know, I had no idea, right? Like I wasn't working at Maloko. Um, my response was, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I know some of the, the leaders at the company, it doesn't seem like they would, but, you know, at the same time, I, I don't know for sure. And then, you know, I ended up joining Maloko and I was pleasantly surprised to see that this was like a big topic at the company and something I've been spending a lot of time on in the last few months. Um, is understanding and unpacking this bad ad experience. And what we mean by bad ads is there's kind of two parts of it. One is like deceptive creatives, right? So like it's time that impossible to close X button, like a million end cards popping up, um, basically trying to get as many clicks as possible. And then there's the privacy side, whereas, you know, now we have various forms of attribution uh, with scan and probabilistic. Um, and it's kind of accelerated this trend. And so... And so, yeah, it's it's something we care about deeply at Maloko. It's a complicated topic, um, but it's something we're we're trying to to fix for the ecosystem. So somebody's finally has to take care of this problem that everybody just take it for granted, just you know, throw up their hands up on the air. This is just like things they they are. There's no way you can handle this problem. So uh, you you have an experience, resources, and you have a deep understanding of what. Can which should be done? It's time to finally solve this problem. Uh, but probably to give a better appreciation why we're on this place, let's kind of a recap uh, the recent history of digital advertising. So, how did we get here? Well, what's been happening um, years ago? Yeah, I, I think it's a good place to start as well because I would even start at the beginning of digital advertising, right? If you think about it, you know, arguably it's one of the most successful successful industries, you know, in the past. 30 years or so. And, you know, sure. it's, it's, it's actually due to a, a few simple reasons, right? Like one is serving a, like a customized ad to the right audience in like an automated way. And the second point is being able to effectually measure your ad spend, right? So I put in X, I get out Y. Um, you know, 
back in the day for many years, it was, it was pretty simple and advertisers had a good sense of, you know, their ROI on marketing and it, you know, made digital advertising an extremely lucrative business. Um, but things have started to change a little bit. Um, so from like 2017 to pre-ATT in 2020, I would call this kind of like the fat thumb era, whereas essentially like networks and other platforms started to introduce being like, hey, how can I get more credit um, in the ecosystem, right? It's very competitive. There's a lot of players in the space. You're trying to show your advertisers the best results as possible. And so we start to see, you know, not like widespread yet, but we started to see some players introduce, you know, tiny X buttons, the moving X button, a bunch of different end cards. Um, and what we started to see was click-through rates, right? Which started slowly to climb. Um, and it wasn't drastic, it wasn't abrupt, uh, but these deceptive experiences on the creative side, um, you know, started to become more prevalent. Then ATT happened and this kind of supercharged everything. Yeah, kind of a final nail in the coffin was the AT&T or the... It uh, became obvious that now the problem has grown out of proportion uh, and it's, it became really bad. Yeah, to this day, I'm not sure that some of the ads uh, I was trying to close on the popular sites I've been visiting was either I was missing the button or it was not being able to click on from the first hit. So yeah, that's kind of a, it's really annoying. And like when you're living in the world of apps, it may be not a much of a hassle especially if you're paying for subscriptions but if you still continue to consume content for websites and their business model is advertising having those ads and trying to you know see if you can hit the <laughs> close button has been annoying so um uh let's zero in on click attribution so we've been living in the world of at&t for a couple of years so where do we stand today yeah, I think AT&T is like, you know, fundamentally shifted the app marketing landscape. I think it's positive broad, for the broader ecosystem, right? Since users should have, you know, control of how their data is used and, and shared. Um, but with that, you know, just undoubtedly shifted kind of the whole ecosystem. I think one of the big things that happened was you kind of have two attribution sources now, right? You have Scan, which is Apple's version, and then you have something yeah. called probabilistic attribution, um, which is similar to deterministic attribution that you, uh, many marketers are used to, right? Like maybe their systems, their internal systems, they know how to interpret the data. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit closer to what they're used to than kind of learning this whole new scan system. So there's definitely a mix of advertisers who, you know, look at one source or another or look at both. Um, but what it did, though, was, you know, as a result and lack of these first party user signals, a lot of platforms started being like, okay, you know, my numbers started dropping a little bit on scan. How do I make up for that? And how do I get more credit? And so, you know, I think this comes in, in two forms. And one form is like, you know, these, these deceptive creatives to get more credit has started to take off a lot more. Um, so, so advertisers are seeing some, or users are seeing like these poor ad experiences more and more, um, and they're starting to take notice. And then also, you know, Apple also introduced like something called SK overlay, in auto store and probabilistic attribution has no visibility if a click happened, if that creative was rendered or not. And so mm -hmm. what a lot of, what we've seen happening is if, if, if that creative is rendered where there's no visibility on the probabilistic side, they'll just fire a click um, every time it renders. And in, in the, what happens, right, is like we've seen CTR rates climb up to 80, 90, close to a hundred percent. 
And if you think rationally, right, you have the best targeting in the world, you have the best creatives in the world, a user is likely not going to click on your ad eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times. And so something's going on. And so, you know, if you kind of break it all down, what it means for marketers is that like understanding your true ROI is really difficult. Um, this is because you have users who, you know, saw the ad and were, were actually influenced by it and clicked on it and had intent to download. Then you have a bucket of users who, you know, didn't like the ad, were trying to X out, or maybe a click was sent on their behalf and they didn't even know, and they downloaded organically, or maybe were influenced by another channel, um, getting credit. So like untangling the users who were actually influenced by the ad, which is like your actual ROI, um, is very hard to do now and it's become you know a difficult problem for for app marketers you mentioned the scan from apple um i've seen the platform been going through a bunch of iterations the latest iteration how far it is from i don't want to say ideal but to the to the stage where people will be more or less pleased to uh and stop being annoying that it's so different. It became so difficult to um, go through attribution process. So how how good the platform to make people happy? Yeah, I think it's like the future of Scan is an interesting question. I think to Apple's credit, right, Scan was very rudimentary when it when it rolled out um, with ATT before, and there's you know a lot of a lot of complaints within the industry. But I think to Apple's credit, they are making changes. They are updating it. Um, I do think scan is here to stay and, you know, marketers would be in their best interest if they don't currently look at scan, just really start looking at it and trying to interpret it because I, I do think it's here to stay and they're, they'll be making continual improvements. Gotcha. So I do hope that Apple is listening and listening carefully to the industry and make these improvements uh, from which I, with every iteration. Um, recently uh, on a singular podcast, I've heard this term, Click arms race. What is it about? Tell me more. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good term. So our um, our VP of go to market, Francesco Renzo, we call him Renzo. He talked to Singular about you know the similar topic, and I'd recommend everyone go check out that that podcast too. Um, but at the end of the day, this is like a really messy and difficult problem to fix because everyone kind of has a role. And so when we talk about clicks arms race, what we see, what we mean by it is, it's almost like the tragedy of the commons where you know, app app marketing is very competitive. Marketers move their budgets around to different platforms pretty pretty regularly. And if one platform sees this aggressive attribution going on and they don't do it, right, they might be at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And so because the other person is doing it, we have to do it um, also is something we hear pretty often. And so even breaking it down further, right, um, from on the marketer side, you know, if if you're you know someone that's managing campaigns on a day to day basis, you know likely your how you're judged and your performance in the role is like you know your your conversion volume and your CPI or CPA or ROAS or whatever it might be, and this aggressive attribution might actually help you uh, look good in your role. But if you talk to a CEO or CFO who just want true growth for their app, you know they might have a different opinion. So I think for marketers, there's a challenge on that side. On the app side, on the publisher side, you know, they also want to maximize the revenue and they want to, you know, make as much money as possible by having ads in their um, app. And so, you know, they might, may, might look at it as a short-term game, but on the flip side of the coin, you know, they're likely hurting their long-term retention or lifetime value of their users if they have a really poor app, poor 
ad experience. And I, I've looked in uh, the app store reviews and, you know, there's countless one-star reviews for users blaming the app itself uh, for, for the bad ad experience. And then, and then, yeah, there's exchanges and mobile measurement partners who, who also want to get the most value for their clients. And so they're, they're not totally incentivized to, to shake up the ecosystem either. Yeah, it's a great point. Unfortunately, people uh, always associate every aspect of the app with the developer, with the company and advertising in the same bucket. So app developers get, get so much trouble of uh, and a bad time from users for things that are not his fault, basically. Uh, okay, we've raised the problem. Hopefully people can feel uh, the severity of this issue. So what do we do about this? Uh, what Maloka suggests to do about this mess to fix it? Yeah, so I think there's stuff on the ecosystem side that Maloko, you know, is thinking deeply about it and cares about. And so, you know, as we talked about, this is a difficult and messy problem to solve, and Maloko can't be the only one to solve this issue, right? But we can play a role though, and kind of be at the vanguard. And so what we're doing is trying to build build like a coalition across marketers, mold measurement partners, publishers, um, to kind of stand up and, and try to fix this issue um, just for the broader ecosystem. However, I think one product strategy that could be really interesting that we're starting to explore at Maloko is giving more granularity into the types and clicks and views that happen. Um, so if you think about it right now, all marketers see is just like a click happened or a view happened, right? There's no mm -hmm. breakdown between how you know those interactions occurred. But imagine you could see in your reporting you know, X percent of people clicked on the CTA button, X amount of people tried to click on the X button, but a click rendered X amount of people, you know, a click was rendered when SK overlay or auto store uh, came up and, and a click was automatically triggered. And so we believe by giving more granularity and transparency into how clicks and views occur, marketers can make better sense of their data to kind of suss out who was actually influenced by an ad versus who, you know, might have installed organically or was influenced by another channel. Got you. Okay. What about the app marketers side? What's in their power? What they can do? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, I think for app marketers, one thing that we want to make clear is that like, you don't have to wait for the ecosystem to be fixed to, to take action. There's definitely things you can, you can do today. And I think there's, you know, some top things you can do is like, one is like, don't take attribution numbers at face value if you're comparing across platforms. Um, Right, because some some platforms might be doing more aggressive tactics than than others, and I think an interesting just like a, a flag is looking at uh, click through rates by channel, and mm -hmm. we know like click through rates is not like a performance metric you should look at for performance, but it's a upstream flag that kind of influences all of your attribution downstream. So if you see a channel with you know 80, 90, close to hundred percent click through rate don't assume that's due to like good creative and targeting. Something's kind of amiss there, right? It doesn't really pass the gut check. And so I, I would kind of spend more time with that channel to understand why that click-through rate is so high. So I think that's the first is like, don't take attribution numbers at face value. The second is incrementality and investing in incrementality. So this could be conversion lift or, or geo split. Um, the thing about incrementality, it's, it's not influenced by attribution at all, right? So they're completely separate. And basically all that incrementality does is like this test group saw an ad, this control group didn't. What is the difference in conversions? That's my incremental lift. And so if you can run incrementality tests across your channels in a standardized way, you can see the true value in the incremental uplift of each channel. So if you're able to do that, highly recommend it. Then I think the third thing is experiment. Um, you know, 
I don't think there's going to be a single source of measurement truth moving forward in the ecosystem. I think that's just like the new reality. And so what this means for marketers is I think they need to kind of broaden how they view measurement and there's going to be different inputs that make your overall decision. And so I would, I would encourage marketers to experiment with incrementality, ex experiment with scan, experiment with other ways of viewing measurement. And I think it'll help you in the long term. And then I think the last thing I would say is, you know, we know it might not be possible for everyone to do like a channel audit or invest in incrementality for various reasons. And so we recognize that we, we've talked to advertisers about it. And so we're working one-on-one -on -one also with them to come up with like a bespoke strategy to make sure we can meet their needs as well. Got it, Jamie. Okay. With this question, we've finished the first part of the show and we're going to transition into the second one where I take um, just a quick chance to give my audience a little bit better picture of who are these people who are coming in this podcast. And these are just a few quick questions to draw a quick portrait. All right. Uh, what smartphone do you have now? Are you been switching between iOS and Android or staying one side all the time? Uh, yeah, so I have an iPhone 13, I believe. Um, I've been an iPhone user for the past probably like six, seven years. Uh, I did have an Android back when I used to work at Google, uh, but made made the switch back in back in the day and, and haven't looked back. Got it. Okay. Uh, before these two giants existed, before we had any idea what the multi-capacity smartphone will look like, we used to have these mobile phones that we can carry in the pocket without any touch screen. So what was your phone back then? Yeah, my phone was, a, I think my first phone was a the Motorola Razor uh, back in the day in, in middle school. I still, still remember my Black Razor is a great little phone, uh, especially for the first one. Okay, the, the scene from the Matrix comes to mind if I hear the word Razor. Uh, all right, imagine right now you left your iPhone 13 at home for whatever reason you're out. And what's the most missing feature for you at that point? Yeah, I think it'd be a basic feature, uh, but an important one for me is, is texting. Uh, you know, I have a, a lot of friends and family that I like to keep in touch with and group chats and things like that. So I think that would be like the first thing I, I would miss would not be able to text and communicate with people. Gotcha. All right. Now, we've heard about this um, trend for smartphones kind of a reaching the plateau of their development, not a lot of new features. And yet, uh, if you're looking at your smartphone right now, what hardware, software feature you'd like this thing to have to make it a better tool for you? Yeah, so the, I mean, this is a very niche thing, um, but I, I'm really impressed by a company called Onyx, which is an outdoor app where you can see like public and private private land and understand like, you know, public land access and you know, where mm -hmm. you can hike and backpack and that's legally and things like that. I think if Google Maps integrated something like that into Google Maps, so I don't have to kind of switch between the two, uh, especially if I'm on like a backpacking trip or something like that, it would be amazing. But I think it's a it's basically a, a mapping app with for the outdoors. That's that's been a, a great little app that I've been using. Got it. It's actually a neat app. All right. Uh, before I let you go, very very final question: How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Yeah, uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn, uh, Jimmy Morrow Maloco, or you know, if you're an advertiser who's interested in learning more about Maloco, you can go to our website and fill out the form, and we'll be in touch. Terrific, Jimmy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Jimmy Morrow, Director of Product Marketing at Maloco. 
To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer if you're still listening to podcasts on the computer. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.